You're listening to Plain Talk with Thomas and Clay. Hello and welcome to Plain Talk. I'm Clay. And this is Thomas. And you're listening to Plain Talk. Today we have a very special guest with us, Joel Martinez from uh, Waco Regional Airport. He's the airport manager and he's going to kind of be talking with us. We're going to go through what it takes to keep a regional airport running and uh, talk about all the maintenance thing, anything that has to deal with the airlines, having to deal with all of that. So welcome, Joel. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, so what? take us kind of through the day of what it takes to keep the airport running and what you do on a daily basis. And then we'll kind of dive into what it takes to deal with the airlines and make sure that they keep out everybody's hair and what it takes to just make everything run. Because that's what you're good at. That's what I'm told. I don't know if I do a good job of it, but I try my best. So on a daily basis, I mean, what we do or what uh, airport directors do across the country is we basically go evaluate our facility. That's the first thing we have to do. There's multiple reasons to do that. One, it sets a course of work. Two, it meets the FAA standard requirement to, um, uh, to have our airfield inspected. So that's kind of the first thing that we do. We kick off our day with an airfield inspection. We have you know, several other operations folks that go out there and we look at pavement conditions. You know, we start our day with all that pavement lighting, all that stuff. We have a night security guard that also does a secure, uh, uh, an inspection as well. And uh, he kind of dictates or lets us know about some issues that he discovered overnight. So we look at those, we evaluate those, we evaluate a plan of action to correct those things. That's kind of what sets our work for, you know, Monday morning. That kind of sets our whole week. If we have some electrical issues, we have some markings, some lighting, pavement issues, bigger issues take longer than one day. That kind of sets our kind of our work for, you know, that's a Monday morning. And we do that inspection every morning. And we kind of look at a continual continuation of, of workflow to make sure things are getting accomplished and nothing's shown up over that period of time. And that's the first thing out of the, you know, out of the shoot, make, make a pot of coffee, grab a cup and hit the field. Um, outside of that, you know, I'm also a city of Waco employee that the city owns and sponsors the airport. So we have our other kind of bureaucratic requirements that that does. You know, we have personnel issues, we have budgetary issues, payroll issues, hiring, those types of daily operations. Then we have the rest of you know, the never ending story is customer service. You know, for some reason, every, everybody that flies thinks that the airline employees are my employees, that it's my fault that their bag didn't get there, or it's my fault that that their, um, that their flight didn't take off on time, that they were late arriving for a departure. So we do a lot of, uh, I guess, customer service relations for, for lack of better words. And it's really just getting the public educated and getting them to the right people to resolve their issues, whether it's lost bags or cancellation of flights, cancellation of of their return flight from DFW, which is kind of the, you know, one of our, you know, one of our big issues that we kind of have an ongoing issue with. People have to pay an an enormous amount of money to rent a a one-way vehicle to come back to Waco. And so, you know, all those things, how do we strategically plan to educate mm-hmm. our public about other transportation opportunities that yet they can be used during an emergency purpose, but we don't want them to divert their air travel using those right. alternative methods. So it's a really, uh, it's a really fine balance. It's more of a balancing act. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're even boots on the ground when it comes to customer service and everything. Most people think that, oh, the airport manager is just sitting up in his office, drinking coffee and, and writing emails out every day. But y'all are, y'all are actually out there on the ground, taking care of business with customers and making sure that everything goes smoothly throughout. Even if it's not directly connected to the airport operations, it's 
helping with the airlines, helping take care of all that for the customer relations, correct? Yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, I'm probably one of the few airport directors in the state of Texas, I know that for sure, that walk the floor during flight departures and arrivals. And the reason being is I want to have a, a presence, you know, for issues, for customer issues, because, you know, we also run the restaurant that's down there. And we also, you know, we're now taking on the internal advertising program. So there are other things that I'm trying to identify, other other business operations, business opportunities for us to capitalize on, whether it's correcting a deficiency with the airline, with the restaurant, or other other avenues for us to kind of run more efficiently and more effectively. So we've kind of touched on the airline side. When it comes to the general aviation side, how is it that y'all take care of or, or, or manage the general aviation side other than just the terminals, the private terminals being leased to the city or being bought from the city? On the general aviation side, we're also, or one of my jobs is to strategically encourage and entice businesses to relocate or to expand their operation types onto the, on the airfield, uh, whether it's coming from in a, another state or within Texas or even from across town, TSDC or McGregor. You know, we help kind of uh, those businesses locate in the best, I guess, in the best environment, aviation environment for them to succeed. Ultimately, that's our goal. You know, that's one of the things that I've worked in conjunction with the, uh, the, the Greater Waco Aviation Alliance is in helping us kind of recognize and identify that each of our three airports kind of bring a unique entrance into the aviation industry as a whole yet not everyone offers the same type of uh, of venue and so what we're trying to do is work with the those both airport directors at both airports all three of us kind of collectively get together when we have these prospective new tenants or new business relocations so okay what where can we offer them the best place to succeed not just where where can i gain the largest you know diverse portfolio of business tenants on the airfield you know, we want them to be successful. I mean, ultimately, you know, the more successful these businesses are on the airfield, the more customers they have, the more fuel that gets bought, the more justification we have for some capital improvement projects. And then, you know, we gain revenues from fuel sales as as the city does, and that helps our operating costs as well. So there's a multi-pronged approach to how we develop and foster and nurture that type of development Uh, coming onto the airfield. Okay. What plans do y'all have to kind of expand the airfield? I guess it's been now 16 months. We completed our airport master plan. And what that does, that kind of gives us a snapshot, an inventory of what we currently have on the field. And then we look at the aviation airline industry and where they are projected to go based on our forecasted employment trends, uh, looking at those things. So ultimately the airport's built out as far as runway length, taxiway length, are concerned, we have exactly what we need. Uh, the The airline industry is going to, uh, they're building lighter, more effective aircraft. That's just, that's just where the technology is going. Uh, and so, you know, the length of runways not, now it used to be 10,000 feet. You need to have that. Not necessarily the case today. You know, we have 7104, 7103 on some charts. That's more than enough for Eagle to operate full capacity, full fuel load, all that good stuff for what they do. United can do the same thing with an express or with a regional jet to Houston if that's you know our next target as far as airline development goes. So as far as expanding runway features, taxiway features, we're really we're really at our ultimate you know our ultimate design. You know we we serve the community best where we're at. We're landlocked on top of all that. You know we could purchase land and reroute some roadways, thoroughfares. Uh, the cost-benefit analysis just really—it's cost prohibitive because we really don't gain, you know, access to additional markets, access to additional airlines, 
it doesn't offer us anything. So we're built where we are and, and we just need to maintain that. Now we have ramp structures that need to be rebuilt. We have some drainage studies we're going to be conducting. Now those types of, I guess, you know, you would consider them ancillary projects. You know, they're not, you know, they're not the, the big runway extensions or the runway widening projects. You know, they're not those projects. The, the Fed has done a good job of funding that probably eight years ago. You know, we spent probably about $14 million extending and, and growing our runways to their ultimate length. And so uh, expansion opportunities, expansion, uh, I would look for our ramps to grow, you know, as far as access to uh, runways and taxiways. You know, we have a west side development, which is between 1432 and 119. Currently we have, it's just an empty field, you know, down the road, 12 to 15 years. You know, we may open up a ramp on that side and make that an exclusively GA ramp. But then we have parking terminals that we're going to, you know, look to employ and look to grow and develop as we go through, you know, some of our traffic counts increases. So you made a, a comment about uh, expanding the terminal. Or is that something where we'd be looking into getting a different airline coming in or just being able to get more flights? Uh, well, what we're looking at is, is getting another airline. That's, that's our ultimate goal is to have at least two carriers here. You know, when I arrived here in 2008, we had United or Continental slash United. Uh, they went away when they had some regional carrier issues with United, uh, and, and they downsized not just in Waco but every market in Texas. So there's there's some political justification as to why they they were reactive to to another uh, cause uh, on United's corporate side of things. So they reduced their overall capacity by 17 percent in Texas at that time. They have not realized that back as they grow in their route development today as we see it. We anticipate, though, at some point they will recognize not only Central, not only Waco itself, but Central Texas. You know, they, they left the San Angelo market, the Abilene market, the Tyler Longview market. They left several markets when they pulled out of Waco. It wasn't just to sink to Waco only. Mm -hmm. So we do look to expand our terminal building, but well, we look to modify and update our terminal building. You know, right now we can currently serve three carriers at, at one time. If that were the case, you know, we have diversions and we have charter flights that sometimes it's very convenient where we're configured, but we don't have a need to have more than three gates, which is what we have right now. So, you know, I think our ultimate growth will be three actual boarding bridges right now. We currently have two. We have one in use by American regularly. So we're looking to modify, you know, the common areas, the waiting room, you know, we're looking to update some of the technology access, things like that. Now uh, the you know the the public restrooms and things like that that need to be modified just over time it just those things wear out and they just don't uh, they don't actually portray the uh, community's I guess intent in, in being a nice terminal building. So with that, do you do you foresee us accommodating larger aircraft? Because I know right now I think the biggest thing we can take is a 737 or a 757 at the gate. Mm -hmm. But do you see in the future that they us building a new jet bridge that would accommodate a larger aircraft or do you think it's just kind of going to kind of stay with what we've got and then they'll use the 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 gates to get to where they need to go? I think the current I think the industry trend right now of where before the airlines are going, I think they're going to continue to utilize this model. You know, so the regional jet, whether it's the CRJ 900 or the or the uh, Embraer 175, you know, those larger airframes, but yet they're not the 737 class they're not the Boeing class type aircraft. You know, our infrastructure can handle it. Our boarding bridges can handle it. But as far as our passenger load, I don't think we can fill it. You know, right now we have 250 seats into our market on a daily basis. You know, you bring in one seven, you know, seven three seven, 
you know, you're looking at 180 seats. So right there, we would reduce our overall frequency, which would, you know, you do two of those flights versus the five that we have to achieve the 250. And then you take out some, I guess, convenience of travel when you have more than one flight leaving. Granted, it's not on a 737, but the 175s and the and in the 145s that we're using right now, or that Americans using to service our, our market right now, they offer customers a variety of of travel opportunities when when those when those come up. So, growing I guess regular service with you know whether it's an airline like Allegiant that uses the MD80. When we go over that seat capacity of a hundred, we really challenge our frequency convenience. You know when we miss one flight here. When we have five, you have an opportunity to get four more. When you miss one flight, when there's only two flights because the aircraft they use is just a larger aircraft, you're kind of really setting the market up for failure. So, you know, when we look at forecasting what we're, what our target airlines are, we really want to utilize an airline or we really want to attract an airline that utilizes the, the hub and spoke model just based on the use of, of the, uh, the smaller aircraft just to offer us, you know, kind of fit our, our seat capacity. We don't want to... We don't want to saturate our market with seats. So to to bring in an, a, a new company on the airfield, let's just say it's just you know Company X, Newco, uh, they come in and uh, they come to the air, they come to the city and they say this is our business plan, this is our square footage, this is what we need, this is what we're trying to accomplish. I I take that back and I look at our master airport master plan and we look at the industries that are represented on our airfield, and we look at what their market niche is. What we don't want is we don't want like an MRO you know, on the airfield where it's just a kind of like a graveyard for aircraft. We don't want that appearance. That wouldn't fit our model. That wouldn't fit our intent to serve the community. So we really have to make sure that it, it, it serves an industry that, it, that rep, that we represent very well, that we want to, we want it to be reflective of the community. So when a new company comes in, we look at their business plan and their intent, business intent. We kind of mock up what a concept would look like. And then they lease the square footage that they need, you know, per acre or half an acre typically is where we're at, you know, maybe, you know, right around that range. They rent that. They have six months to to build whatever infrastructure they need. Then once they're complete and they get their certificate of occupancy, they deed that over to the city. And that's an incentive. They That's an incentive for them because then they don't have to pay the taxes on that improvement. And so for tax purposes, you know, they, they, they forego twelve to $15,000 a year and they get a reduced rental rate from, from the city. So we have a pretty good land lease rate. Now on the, that's on aeronautically related businesses. The airport here, we have a unique situation where when we were deeded the property from the Department of Defense or the, the, the military back in the early 19, 1919, 1918 era, uh, we actually assumed probably another 110 acres just south of Carl May Drive. Some of it has been assumed by the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, we have the, the zoo at one time was located on that property. So we can, that property has been deemed, deemed non-aeronautically related or centered property. So we can lease that or we can sell that property outright. And so we're... There's a foreign trade zone that's been designated to that area. And so we've done a couple things uh, to kind of entice businesses to, to locate there, to purchase property there. And again, we're just trying to create a, an attractive business, uh, a somewhat semi-industrial park out there. We don't want it to be non-conducive and invasive to the aircraft that are coming in and out of our airport. But we also want it to be, you know, a good economic, you know, I guess center also. The airport's located uh, near a large residential area. Do you ever have a lot of issues with people complaining about noise? Like I know in Newark, 
uh, or Teterboro that they have uh, noise restrictions. Um, do you ever encounter a lot of issues with people filing complaints about noise or is that just? Uh, we do on occasion during, uh, I guess, when the military is doing a lot of cross-country traveling. I mean, we, you know, one of the benefits of our airport being located logistically or ge- geographically where it's at is the airlines can, or, I'm sorry, the military aircraft, they, they can travel from, you know, anywhere from Corpus or, you know, their, their Kingsville base, uh, Colleen, Laughlin, Randolph. Any of those, any of the metroplexes around here, even Oklahoma, they can come and they can get the work in with the control tower, with the approaches and things like that in a non-congested uh, area. So we do get those complaints; they fluctuate. But our noise contours, we've purchased enough land, and we have enough. I guess we have enough space that it's on the rare occasion that we get these complaints. And really, the complaints come from aircraft that are just operating too low in areas that are uncontrolled by the airport or any approach plane, you know, so it's just, you know, it's just kind of the nature of, of being in and around an airport. What have we done to kind of prevent that or to create a noise attenuation project? You know, we've bought, you know, we've acquired another 40 acres to prevent a development right on the end of, of runway one four. You know, we've done that to be proactive, to prevent any type of, you know, nuisance. Uh, We want to be a good neighbor in that regard. But for the most part, I think people that move out to the airport have a are pretty comfortable with the noise that they hear, and I think it's very it's very minimal. You know, I may hear it more in my building than they do in their residence, just based on location and how the the, con, the noise flow over the noise contours that are out there. Right. And wouldn't you expect that most people who would be moving into an area that's right close to an airport expect some sort of noise? rather than kind of complaining about it or is it or is the the society as a whole kind of oh i'm going to move to this airport but i don't have the common sense to know that there's going to be airplanes flying around so when people purchase houses especially in new subdivisions new developments the experience and exposure to noise isn't as regular as as say an established neighborhood in certain certain areas and then you know when they're buying a home they may go visit that home maybe a dozen times but at an airport of our size you know, nine times out of 10, you show up at, at, a, at any given hour and there's not going to be a flight activity. So it just depends. The, 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 the air traffic fluctuates and it's just kind of one of those deals that they have a better chance of, of, of visiting their new or prospective property when there's no air traffic. So they don't really have, it's really not a consideration. You know, they look at the value of the home. They look at the school district, which they have a great school district out there. They're one of the better school districts in the county. And so they have these other attractions that pull them out there and the airport, you know, that were not as active, you know, they, they kind of, they turn a blind eye to it. They really don't recognize it until they're sitting, you know, sitting up at 6am and they have, you know, 15 Apaches coming from Colleen <laughs> over their, their housetops, you know, their <laughs> yeah. rooftops. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, where did that come from? And so we do have that. You would think that they drove by the airport, you know. Every day they go to work, but yet they don't realize it's there. They just, you know, the noise fluctuates in such a way that they, it's just kind of difficult on that deal for them to. But the great thing about it is the generation that's moving out there, they're a little more amenable, you know, to that type of change and that type of impact. You know, there's generations that are older generations that have an adverse response to those things and they don't recognize that they're out there. So, you know, you have a newer generation, a newer community is being developed. It's not established. That's not, you know, so it kind of ebbs and flows as far as the complaints. They come in, we educate them about the process. And then, you know, they, not that they go away, but they just kind of accept their circumstance. And it's not, 
you know, we meet all the FAA guidelines for the noise contours and traffic patterns and all those things. And we're a controlled airport. So even more so, we have more control over those. Thanks for listening to Plane Talk. If you like what you heard, give us a review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or leave us a comment over on Anchor. We'll be releasing new podcasts every Wednesday and Saturday.